so um, different to do it in person. We're all adjusting, right, to being together this way again. And um, <laughs> I can hear my stomach growling right now, although I had some <laughs> breakfast. And on Zoom, you may not hear that. <laughs> so there is this kind of intimacy that happens, right? When we are together in the room, you can hear people's breath, especially when we're sitting next to each other. And uh, that sharing of um, our body together it, it feels um, something that we really need right now, right? When the world is turning so painfully. I hope that um, we can create a refuge here together at this temple so that we're, our bodies um, can share the warmth of the hearts together and take refuge in um, each other's hearts and bodies to lean on. So that being said, I, um, I'm going to talk about spiritual friendship today. I feel a little bit vulnerable, but at the same time, kind of excited to share my personal journey around this because um, some of you may know that I am going for a priesthood in October. We'll see. <laughs> I'm right in the middle of sewing right now. And it's a, a very long process of sewing. It's a lot to sew, actually. Really, I mean, we have this to sew. Um, and then um, we have a huge robe. Uh, we call it okesa. We wrap around if you've seen other priests wearing that. You saw that yourselves. All of those stitches, every stitch, you take refuge in Buddha, you take refuge in Dharma, and we take refuge in Sangha. So you can imagine how, how many times you take refuge, right, with the little stitches. And that is exactly what we do. It's our practice when we're sitting, right? we come back to the breath. And also with the spiritual friendship. Um, so this topic came about because in contemplating my journey, my personal journey, right? because it's, it's this body and this mind, <laughs> you know, this yoko, um, who is going for it, priesthood. So um, how is it to um, embody? How, is, how do I aspire? How am I aspiring to take this path of priesthood? What would that look like for me? Not anyone else, but with this body. And it's a, a real, I would say, intense um, in terms of practice because 
I feel from my experience that I need to really listen, really listen to um, how my body is um, calling, actually, you know, calling. And um, this whole process feels like almost like cleaning up, you know, your clutter, um, examining, especially for me, because I'm married. I have a son who's just turned 20, 12 years old. I don't think I could have done it if he was younger. Now that he's in middle school, I, I, and he's actually, he's the, he supports me with, with my path. Today, when I, when I said goodbye to leave here, he knew, my husband and my son knew this week I've been preparing for the talk and I get crazy when I prepare for the talk because you, you just hit with your conditioning, you know? Because basically you're, I'm just here uh, opening my heart, right? So a lot of different conditioning comes up for me. You know, the big one is I'm not worth it. You know, the worthiness, right, that comes up. I mean, am I worthy to share something that's helpful for others? And, um, and that's a blessing, actually. Although as, as much as painful that is to feel unworthy because in our culture, when people say, I'm feeling unworthy, the first thing that people want to do is to try to make you feel good, right? Right? You don't, you don't have to feel that way. You are worthy. And yet our practice is to uh, respect that, the energetic unworthiness that comes, arises within our body and mind because it, it just hasn't happened like that one day. This body and mind is a, a continuation of um, what came before our bodies and mind, right? All the, the stories and conditioning that we are usually pained by, you know, I'm not worthy, um, I'm not good enough, that's a big one too, right? Um, you know, I, other person can do better. You know, you compare yourselves to other people. This is also very, very much common things that arises within all of us. It's a cultural baggage, you know? This is something that we've been conditioned. It just it hasn't just happened right now. And in a way, this journey of priesthood is to me cleaning up of these conditioning. Yeah. And also, um, <laughs> so in doing that, it's interesting, you know, I, I was talking to Elizabeth about this. Um, a sunrise, I come from Japan, right? So when I tuned into this unworthiness, what came up for me was these, I don't know, but feeling of samurai warriors from Japan, the feudal times. And it was, I, I had this pain in my solar 
plexus area with this feeling of unworthiness. And and I and it felt I'm gonna do colors. Okay. And so solar plexus for me feels yellow to me. And and that was very resonant with me. And the samurai warriors were deep in pain because this feeling of unworthiness. And you, as you know, and I, as I know, they would um, kill themselves for the sake of uh, the, um, you know, Lord, right? They're lords. And to do that, to, to, we call that seppuku, right? I mean, that's like a literal way of um, killing yourself, but then you're who you are you know, your families that you have, all these are all uh, given to the Lords, to serve the Lords um, from the place of unworthiness. Those feudal times, right? People are fighting, just like today. <laughs> to sacrifice your life that way. So it was really interesting that these kind of ancestral trauma came up for me. So it's very powerful, you know, to examine your aspiration that's coming from your body, ancestral bodies. So um, spiritual friendship. So in doing that, um, I was I have been re-examining relationship with my friends, of course, but prominently with my spouse. That has been uh, unexpected for me. And um, also, amazingly um, free to re-examine. That's why I feel very vulnerable, you know, to confess to all of you that I have been re-examining what, what is this relationship that I have with my spouse? I live with, with him. We've been married for, I don't know, over 20 years for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, start, I stopped counting. <laughs> um, we have a child together. We have a wonderful home together. We have a dog together. We just got the dog. Um, however, in re-examining, and this came up, <laughs> this has been coming up, you know, this feeling of, you know, there's something that's not quite wholehearted wholehearted about this relationship. 
especially around me going to priesthood. It's really mysterious how things just happen this way because, you know, um, a friend of mine stayed at, stayed at my apartment and um, she saw a picture of our wedding picture. And uh, it was a picture that, um, you know, I had this traditional Japanese uh, white wedding kimono. And she, she was like, oh, Yoko, you, you know, I want to see your wedding pictures. Can I see others? And I was like, well, actually, we, we didn't have a ceremony. We, we just did it for the picture for my, my, my parents. We actually did the, you know, the city hall thing. And she's like, oh, well, maybe you can have one now. And then I thought, what? <laughs> do I really want to do this? <laughs> so that was, a, that was an amazing gift because then I sat with this question, you know, why? Why, you know, what's, what's this hesitation? That's arising with me, within me. It's, it, you know, I, I would love to get married again, <laughs> especially right going for this priesthood and thinking our, about our past together. You know, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll be recommitment, remarriage, which would be wonderful. Every day, new life, new marriage. There was something that was, I would say lurking. <laughs> and uh, Kristen is nodding there because uh, in our parents group, we have parents group, we have been studying this book on uh, slogans, uh, Tibetans slogans. And one of the slogan, um, and Norman Fisher, as some of you know, he's the, the author of this book who's kind of interpreting his slogans. And one of the slogans we're studying, we just had study together, is called, called um, don't wait in ambush. Don't lurk, <laughs> right? So when someone is uh, has hurt you, right? And it, even you don't have to be explicitly hurt, but you know, something that annoyed you, Right or irritated you to um, don't uh, pester that inside, pile it up until you, you know, come out uh, attacking. And then it was interesting because you know normally we don't have that intention of hurting others. However, I have been contemplating on even that annoyance. If you don't uh, process that, right? If you don't respect that energy that arises within you, if you don't stop to honor that, to question, what can I learn from this right now? If you don't stop to say, come out open and say, you know, this is, this bothered me. Um, not from a place of, uh, you know, judgment, of course, right? Um, but uh, this aspiration so that uh, we can be uh, liberated from suffering together in this process of conversation. Right? 
So anyway, um, I've noticed that I, there was something within me that was lurking, lurking, lurking. And so um, uh, I have been having conversation with my husband um, in terms of, um, you know, clarifying together. Well, for me, the priesthood feels like um, something that, uh, that I love to do. And this is what I would like from you as support. Can I have a full support on this? Wholehearted. Nothing holding back. And that kind of commitment, right, is so, so crucial. Not hiding your intentions from each other. And I realized that in doing that, I was scared to do that because I thought that I might may lose the relationship. It's funny because I, I brought it up um, to my husband um, because I knew that he, for him, me going to going for priesthood uh, requires him to really give his resources for us in terms of you know supporting the family when I'm I'm serving here, right? I have a community to serve, so he has to also come forward in that way with his resources. He has to take care of my son more, perhaps dog more. <laughs> And, and actually do it from a place of wholeheartedness with, with a joy. So I really um, wanted to be clear about this as I'm going for priesthood. And um, and he is um, open about it. And he's, we've been having conversations about it. And for me, what felt so freeing for both of us, for my husband and for me, because we want to honor where we are. We want to um, serve each other's uh, coming forward fully to this world, right? For me, the priesthood is the embodying of that. For him, I don't know what that is. He has his own. How does that work together? And in acknowledging that, there was this uh, renunciation for my side because I had to really go to a place where I didn't want to imagine, which was to lose him, to lose someone that, that I share my heart with. You, you, I, don't, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to even go there. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is because of my conditionings. Mm -hmm. That came up as well, you know? What is marriage? My mother, it came from my mother's side of the family. Um, her parents were divorced 
and she was traumatized. So she sacrificed her, her life for her um, kids in a way because she didn't want uh, that to happen to the kids. So I grew up feeling that you know, marriage, divorces, separation is not good. That's just an idea, you know? So I had to let go of that as well. And what's amazing is that in doing that, of course, it's painful. It breaks your heart. But at the same time, there is freedom. You give freedom to each other. You, I, I allow my husband to be who he is. And same for me. And there's uh, so much love that actually flows, <laughs> which is amazing, right? You let go, you, you say, okay, we can, you know, I can, I can see that as a possibility. We can get divorced, we can be separated. And yet, for the first time, I feel that I'm, completely uh, enjoying him, enjoying my partner as he is in that way. So um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to talk about spiritual relationship and uh, friendship. And that's kind of what I'm feeling, you know, this word keep, keep kind of visiting me with this exam big examination of my relationship. And it feels spiritual to me. It feels very close to my heart. So I'm going to give up uh, um, something from Buddha, what he said about spiritual uh, friendship. And some of you may have heard this before. Who has heard this before about spiritual relationship that Buddha has talked about? No one. No one? Really? It's called the whole of the holy life. Okay, so I'll read this. So he's talking, he's with Ananda. Ananda is his disciple and he's a cousin, assistant to Buddha. And he was a very close to Buddha. As he, Buddha was sitting there, um, Venerable Ananda said to the Blessed One, this is half of holy life, Lord. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie. Can you say that? Camaraderie, is that right? Okay. camaraderie, friendship, right? Like kind of like fellowship. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then Buddha says, don't say that, Ananda. Don't say that. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie <laughs> is actually the whole of the holy life. Whole of the holy life. When a monk has admirable people as friends, companions and colleagues, he can be, he, she, they, 
can be expected to develop and pursue a noble eightfold path, basically saying that awakening from our suffering uh, is, is only possible when monk has uh, these, um, right, or the French, right? Spiritual French. So what does that bring up for you? This, uh, this passage, what does that mean? Half, what does that mean? And I think it does point out to this sense of um, holding back something, you know, in the context of my experience, right? So it's almost like my path is here and my husband's path is here. In Sangha, it's like the teaching is here, the Dharma, and the community, Sangha is here. That sort of like separate things. I think that's how uh, Ananda, Ananda was excited here when he told Buddha. And they probably was very intimate together, sitting next to each other. And maybe Ananda had a you know, feeling like, oh, this intimacy that I feel with Buddha, you know, this is a half of it, big half of it. So what's the other half? But Buddha is saying, no, that the Dharma, the teaching itself is Sangha, community, community relations, how we sit together, how we look at each other, how we take care of each other, how we talk to each other, how we listen to each other's suffering, how we are there for each other when we're in pain and also in delight and joy. Coming out completely, right? Not lurking, lurking, but bringing your heart completely to the community, to ourselves. And, um, and this word, I, I hope this will be helpful for you, which is um, a Buddhism 101. <laughs> it, it's, it's a word, give, right, give. So as I have been contemplating on this uh, friendship, spiritual friendship, full of life, this word keeps coming to me, give. What does that, that, that feel for you? Give, to give. I came across this poem, um, and that's how I got it, actually. I've been contemplating that. I've been thinking about this talk. <laughs> And I, I've been contemplating on so how how what is this quality of spiritual relationship? Uh, it's by this person, Shel Silverstein. And I got this from. I also want to give credit to this writer, David uh, Viafora, um, who wrote an article that I read uh, when I was um, researching a spiritual friendship. 
And the poem goes like this. How many slices in a bread depends on how thin you cut it. How much good inside a day depends how good you live them. How much love inside a friend depends how much you give them. And this give, the word give really popped up. Of course, it's, it's what we practice. Yeah? The first of parameters, dana. And also it's uh, uh, one of the um, precepts, right? The, one of the precepts, which is do not steal. Do not steal. That's the negative uh, way of saying this precept. The positive way is to uh, only receive uh, uh, something that uh, someone is willing to give you. And then wholeheartedly give what you can. So when you give wholeheartedly, is there any, any what does that mean, wholeheartedly? You know, the wholeheartedly means that there's nothing attached to that giving. There's nothing that you want to gain from that giving. Nothing you want to gain from that giving. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Right? We, we're always looking for something that we can get ourselves even the friendships if you examine very closely you know you can think about your friends very close friends even within the sangha you know can you uh give that love that you have intimacy that you have for this friend with this thought of letting go completely this friend oh Okay, so how many minutes do I have? 20? No, but. Um, you have about four or five more minutes. Four or five more. Okay. Sure. This is what happens in Dharma I wanted to talk about Dogen, but I'm not, I haven't had a chance to do that yet. It's okay. Anyway, so. Um, give so you know maybe you can take this moment right now and what's um what we practice here what we practice giving when we practice giving we talk about not grasping right not grasping, non-greed. Dogen says that, non-greed. He says in one of the uh, fascicles that I want to introduce you to, which is called uh, uh, Bodhisattva's Four Methods of Guidance, or Four uh, Qualities, Energetic Qualities, qualities of Bodhisattva to aspire with. And one of them is, of course, giving. And he says that giving is non-greed. Giving is non-greed, which means that giving is, uh, what's greed? Not is greed, right? Greed is that sensation of that thirst, right? Thirst of wanting something. Wanting some, something like this, you, know, you, want, you want something. And when you do that, when we do that, 
we lose ourselves. We lose our intimacy with our hearts. He says, giving is non-greed. Non-greed is not coveting. Not coveting. Not coveting is to not curry favors. Not curry favors. So, not having that sense of, you know, getting something out of friendship with anything, right? Anybody. Could be a recognition, who knows? It could be a pleasure, it could be sense oriented too. You know, you could have like, you know, sensual pleasures. A lot of us go through that. That's, you know, that's one of the um, very difficult uh, practice that we do, right? Like, just like eating, like a strong drive, nature's drive. Um, all kinds of grasping that we do for ourselves to feel good, feel good and comfortable for ourselves. So yes, I was, I was talking about this. So um, I wanna give just one last thing for everyone, which is to feel the sense of giving right now together, okay? And The give, the root word, give, pi, pi, it's called Proto-Indo-European uh, language, pi, I looked it up today. <laughs> root for giving, I found it amazing, amazing, was a hand or arm to hold. Isn't that beautiful? So when we give, we use our hands to hold. We, when we and, and then we hold something with our two hands. Right? Hands are connected to our hearts, just like tongue is connected to our, to our hearts. So when we give, we hold the sense of holding ourselves like this. Most importantly, importantly towards ourselves, towards ourselves. So let's practice together, just a little bit. So sit comfortably. Okay. And just uh, relax your body wherever you are. Relax your legs so that you feel anchored to the ground, to the rich soil of the earth. And then as you relax your facial features and start to Feel your breath. 
bring your attention to your heart. The heart area. And we can all ask ourselves, how is it to give this moment here to myself, for myself? How is it? How does that feel? How does it feel to give this moment to ourselves, completely to ourselves? How does that feel? Wherever you are, with your thoughts and feelings, painful or joyous. How is it to give completely to what we're feeling at this time? Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.